this is Jose Figueroa with an approved workman where we are rightly dividing the word of truth. Welcome to another time of Bible study. I am glad that you're here as we open up God's word one more time. Our current series is Growing Grace, Growing Knowledge, a study of the book of 2 Peter. If you're new to this Bible teaching ministry, here is how you can learn more about our work. You can start by visiting at our website, www.anapprovedworkman.org. That's anapprovedworkman.org. On the website, you can learn more about the purpose of this ministry, our approach to Bible study, and also review our statement of faith. You can also listen to previous episodes of our current series on 2 Peter or any episodes from previous Bible study series we have completed. You can also subscribe to the podcast, which is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and other podcast directories. You can also connect with an approved workman on social media. On Instagram, we are at an approved workman. On Pinterest, we are an approved workman. And our Facebook page is facebook.com slash an approved workman 215. Finally, you can also subscribe to our video channels to ensure you don't miss any episodes of the video versions of our lessons. These are available on either YouTube or Rumble. Today, we're in lesson number five in our series, Growing Grace, Growing Knowledge, from the book of 2 Peter. This is volume two of the series, Strangers and Pilgrims, a study of 1 and 2 Peter. Today's lesson is titled, Watch Out for the Deceivers, Part 2, and our focus passage is 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 10 to 22. In this chapter, Peter alerts believers about the threat of false teachers. In our previous episode, we began our two-part study of 2 Peter chapter 2. We focused on the first nine verses and studied Peter's warning about the appearance of the false teachers. Peter told his audience that false teachers who deny their Lord and Master Jesus Christ were coming, or perhaps they were already there. These false prophets are driven by their lust and their greed, and they can bring enormous harm to the fellowship. In the end, however, their destiny is destruction. God will judge and punish them. However, in the meantime, believers must be alert and ready to recognize these agents of the enemy. Let's review the principle and application from our first division, the appearance of false teachers. Our principle, believers recognize false teachers who deny the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Believers recognize false teachers who deny the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our application, how are you preparing yourself to recognize false teachers? If you missed that previous episode, I encourage you to listen to the podcast or watch the video of that lesson on YouTube or Rumble. Here is the lesson outline and goal for our teaching from 2 Peter chapter 2. 
Again, we're looking at Watch Out for the Deceivers, Part 2. Today, we're going to look at our second division, The Attributes of False Teachers, verses 10 through 14. And then we will conclude with The Apostasy of False Teacher, verses 15 through 22. And our goal for the teaching from Second Peter chapter 2 is this, to encourage believers to remember that we must be ready to recognize false teachers and to stand for the truth on our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, the goal for the teaching from 2 Peter chapter 2 is this, to encourage believers to remember that we must be ready to recognize false teachers and to stand for the truth on our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's go now to that second division from 2 Peter chapter 2, the attributes of false teachers, verses 10 through 14. And especially those who indulge the flesh in its corrupt passion and despise authority. Reckless, self-centered, they speak abusively of angelic majesties without trembling. Whereas angels who are greater in might and power do not bring a demeaning judgment against them before the Lord. Verse 12. But these like unreasoning animals, born as creatures of instinct to be captured and killed, using abusive speech where they have no knowledge, will, in the destruction of those creatures, also be destroyed. Suffering wrong as the wages of doing wrong. They count it a pleasure to revel in the daytime. Their stains and blemishes, reveling in their deceptions as they feast with you. Having eyes full of adultery that never cease from sin, enticing unstable souls, having hearts training greed, accursed children. Second Peter chapter 2, verses 10 through 14. As we get started with verse 10, uh, it is a continuation of the description of the false teacher's ultimate destiny, judgment. That started in verse 9, and now Peter transitions to describe the attributes of the false teachers. Uh, these deceivers indulge their flesh in corrupt passion and also despise authority. They have lost all self-control and they are prideful and arrogant. Also reckless, self-centered, and they speak abusively of angelic majesties without trembling. That term angelic majesties is translated by the ESV as glorious ones and it refers to quote a benevolent supernatural being understood as a glorious being deserving honor that's a quote that comes from the bible sense lexicon so these teachers have complete disregard for spiritual beings and they speak abusively against them even though these beings are greater in power and majesty than they are. So when we look at verse 11, uh, Peter continues as he says that in contrast, angels who again are greater in might and power than they are, the false teachers, they do not bring judgment against them before the Lord. As a matter of fact, they don't even bring judgment against one another, these spiritual beings. In his short epistle, the apostle Jude uses very similar language to convey the same message 
about the arrogance of these false teachers. Listen to Jude 8 and 9. Again, Jude has only one chapter. Uh, so chapter 1, verse 8 begins, Yet in the same way, these people also, Jude is also speaking of the false teachers, Yet in the same way, these people also, dreaming, defile the flesh, reject authority, and speak abusively of angelic majesties. Verse 9, Jude continues, But Michael, the archangel, when he disputed with the devil and argued about the body of Moses, did not dare pronounce against him an abusive judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you. That's Jude chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. So Jude there refers uh, to an example. The archangel Michael did not rebuke Satan, but instead call on the Lord to do it while they were in a dispute. And that's an incident recorded in the apocryphal book called The Testament of Moses or The Assumption of Moses. It contains an account of Michael and Satan fighting over the body of Moses, which led to Michael's rebuke of Satan or for the Michael's call on the Lord to rebuke Satan. So what's the point of that example? That when these false teachers speak abusive words against spiritual beings, they are out of their league. They are punching above their weight class, to use a boxing term. In his Bible study guide on 2 Peter, Dr. N.T. Wright speaks about how wrong it is for anyone to minimize the existence and power of spiritual beings. He says, quote, We rather like the idea of angels, but we have made them cozy and domestic. They are safe like that. But in fact, God's creation is people with all kinds of beings, and it seems that the angels have a hand in running the world, so that people who want to cast off authority begin by rubbishing the God-given invisible powers that stand behind human authorities. End quote. In his Bible commentary, Dr. Tony Evans also speaks on the arrogance of false teachers as they engage these spiritual beings. He says, quote, They are bold and arrogant, mocking the spiritual power of Satan and demons, referenced here as glorious ones, to denote their status as celestial beings, but not any moral goodness within them. In contrast, angels who are greater in might and power than evil principalities know better than to treat such beings flippantly. End quote. Moving ahead to verse 12 in Second Peter chapter 2. In reality, these false teachers are consumed by their corruption and arrogance. They are not led by the spirit, but by the flesh. They are basically acting like unreasoning animals, acting only by instinct. Their speech is abusive and without knowledge. As a result, they are destined to be captured and killed, and they will be destroyed just like those angels that are in Tartarus, in prison until the day of judgment. The Apostle Paul reminded us of people like that in his letter to the Philippians. Listen to Philippians 3, beginning in verse 18. For many walk, of whom I often told you, and now tell you even as I weep, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, and whose glory is in their shame, who have their minds on earthly 
things. Philippians 3, 18 and 19. Peter is pulling no punches in alerting the fellowship about the dangers of these false teachers and who they really are. In his uh, Bible commentary on 2 Peter, Dr. Warren Wiersbe speaks on the terrible impact these brute beasts can have on the fellowship of believers. He says, quote, These brute beasts are destined for destruction, a truth Peter mentioned often in 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, verse 9, verse 12, verse 17, and verse 20. As they seek to destroy the faith, they themselves shall be destroyed. They will be corrupted in their own corruption. Their very nature will drag them down into destruction, like the pig returning to the mire and the dog to its vomit. Unfortunately, before that event takes place, these people can do a great deal of moral and spiritual damage." End quote. As we look at verses 13 and 14, the false teachers will suffer their due punishment for their wrongdoing. They will not get away with it. They counted a pleasure to revel during the daytime. I mean, without shame. Typically, people who are doing immoral things, they do it at night under the cover of night. These people had no such limitations. They overindulge in the pleasures of the flesh. Uh, whether it's food, wine, sex, etc. They are stains and blemishes, uh, reveling in their deceptions as they fellowship with other church members. So they live immorally and they bring that into the fellowship of believers. They have no shame whatsoever. These false teachers want others to live like they live without considering that God has called his people to holy and righteous living. They insist that the grace of God is licensed for sinning without consequences. They have eyes full of adultery and they never cease from sinning. They also entice unstable people because they have been trained in greed. Yet, they will not prevail. They are accursed children. Judgment is coming on them. In his commentary on Second Peter, Dr. R.C. Sproul speaks on the attributes of these false teachers. He says, quote, These heretics have undergone rigorous training, but it is not training in godliness. It is training in covetousness. Their heart are training greed for what they want to possess. Their hearts are trained with jealousy and envy toward those who have something that they themselves may lack, and they are accursed children. They are not the children of God's blessing, but of God's curse. End quote. Do you know people like these false teachers? Are they influencing you to live like them? Or are you focused on living a godly life by the power of the Holy Spirit? Well, that brings us to the end of this second division on second peter chapter 2 what's our principle believers resist the lure of false teachers who reject godly living believers resist the lure of false teachers who reject godly living for those who are in accord with the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh but those who are in accord with the spirit 
the things of the Spirit. For the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the Spirit is life and peace. Because the mindset on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Romans 8, 5-8 As a way of application, how are you preparing yourself to resist the lure of false teachers? And how are you helping other believers to be able to resist them as well? Let's bring this home and go to our third and final division from 2 Peter chapter 2, the apostasy of false teachers, 2 Peter 2, 15-22. Abandoning the right way, they have gone astray, having followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the reward of unrighteousness. But he received a rebuke for his own offense, for a mute donkey, speaking with a human voice, restrained the insanity of the prophet. These are springs without water and mists driven by a storm, for whom the black darkness has been reserved. Verse 18 For while speaking out arrogant words of no value, they enticed by fleshly desires, by indecent behavior, those who barely escape from the ones who live in error, promising them freedom while they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by what anyone is overcome, by this he is enslaved. Verse 20. For if, after they have escaped the defilements of the world by the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and are overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would be better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn away from the holy commandment handed on to them. It has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit, and a sow, after washing, returns to wallowing in the mire. Second Peter 2, 15-22 As we move ahead to verses 15 and 16, uh, we see that these false teachers have abandoned the right way and have gone astray. They are guilty of apostasy. And this is defined as, quote, a public denial of a previously held religious belief and a distancing from the community that holds to it. The term is almost always applied pejoratively, carrying connotations of rebellion, betrayal, treachery, or faithlessness, end quote. And this is from the Lexham Bible Dictionary, an apostasy entry uh, by Ian W. K. Coiter. So these people, who once claimed to be followers of Jesus Christ, have fallen away from him. They have no believing loyalty to the Lord. Instead, they have followed in the example of the prophet Balaam, the son of Beor, who pursued the rewards of unrighteousness. This unrighteous prophet was even rebuked in his insanity by a talking donkey. Balaam was driven by greed, 
and then, having failed to curse the children of Israel, he collaborated with the Moabites to entice them to sexual immorality. You can read that account in Numbers 22 and 20, or Numbers 22 through 24, and also see the end of Balaam in Numbers 31, verse 16. So there is that combo again, sexual immorality and greed. False teachers will always, always be characterized by that. In verse 17, because they have rejected the Lord Jesus Christ, and because they are driven by the flesh and not the spirit, these false teachers have nothing to offer to anyone. Peter compares them to springs without water and mists driven by a storm. There is no substance to them. It's all an external facade. Dr. Wiersbe speaks on the anti-promises of the false teachers. He says, quote, The apostates offer freedom to their converts, and this bait entices them to abandon the true faith and follow the false teachers. The teachers promise them liberty, but this promise is never fulfilled. The unstable converts only find themselves in terrible bondage. The freedom offered is a false freedom, and Peter gave three reasons that explain why it's, it is false. People attempt to satisfy this thirst in many ways, and they end up living on substitutes. Only Jesus Christ can give inner peace and satisfaction. End quote. Only Jesus offers true life. Only Jesus offers true freedom. In his commentary on the New Testament use of the Old Testament, Dr. D.A. Carson expands on Peter's use of these images. He says, quote, Both images picture promise without delivery, spiritual charlatans. The false teachers promise nurturing, refreshing water, but provide none. The Bible is replete with images that connect water with wisdom, the law, instruction from God, and blessing whereas aridity is linked to fruitlessness, shaft that must be burned, and forsaking God. End quote. So these false teachers are destined for utter darkness away from God's presence. This will be their eternal punishment. Moving ahead to verse 18. Uh, still, while they are here, they use arrogant words with no value. It's all empty, although it may sound good and even spiritual. However, their behavior is indecent, and they live to entice others to live out-of-control lives driven by the desires of the flesh. They are Satan's agents, seeking to corrupt the church. They focus their attention on those weak members of the fellowship who are vulnerable to error and deception. These weak members possess no firm foundation and are easily deceived. Let's hear from Dr. Sproul again as he speaks on how essential it is for the church to declare truth and denounce false teachers. It's a matter of self-protection. He says, quote, Truth divides because it is important, and it is important because the consequences are eternal. Peter is not asking people to hate the false prophets. 
he's asking them to flee from them and to protect the flock from their influences. That is a task the church has to do in every generation. End quote. Moving ahead to verses 19 and 20, false teachers promise freedom, but in reality, they are slaves to their own sin and corruption because anything that overcomes you becomes your master. Look at the words of Jesus in John chapter 8. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. John 8, 34. Jesus is talking about this habitual life of sin like the false teachers. Listen to what the Apostle Paul told the Romans. Do you not know that the one to whom you present yourselves as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of that same one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness? Romans 6, 16. True deliverance and freedom come only by believing in Christ and remaining abiding in him. In contrast, for these false teachers who have fallen away, Peter tells us that a terrible destiny awaits them. You see, they had escaped the defilement of this world by their knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. However, now they have fallen away and abandoned His way. Their state is worse now than what it was before they knew Him. As we wrap up in verses 21 and 22, Peter tells us that they would have been better off never hearing and responding to the gospel message. It is much worse to have heard and accepted the gospel and then to turn away from it. This reminds me of the terrible fate of Judas Iscariot. He was one of the twelve apostles that the Lord called during his earthly ministry. So he knew Jesus in the flesh. He lived and walked with him for three years. He was commissioned as an apostle of the Lord. Yet in the end, driven by greed, he betrayed Jesus and ended up killing himself in, in regret. He became the son of perdition. He had no hope for deliverance. These false teachers are exactly the same. Peter says there are examples of Proverbs that say, a dog returns to his own vomit. That's quoting from Proverbs 26, 11. And also, probably a proverb being used in that day, and a pig, after washing, returns to wallow in the mire. Dr. D.A. Carson expands on what Peter is telling us about the true nature of these false teachers. He says, quote, The context shows that these people once lived sinful and perhaps debauched lives, but then for a time escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But now they are entangled in the world and all its corruptions. This is so serious, a retrogression that Peter can declare, it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then to turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. And so the two Proverbs prove true which means that the true nature of these people never change, end quote. And they are destined for utter darkness, away again from God's presence. This will be their eternal punishment. 
in his Bible commentary, Dr. John MacArthur speaks of this turning away from the truth that these false teachers undertook. He says, quote, They professed the Christian experience, the way of righteousness, and even had access to the true teachings of Scripture. But by their lives, they demonstrated that they ultimately had chosen to reject Christ. Such false teachers, as Peter was describing, were not made outside Christianity. They are always bred in the church, half in and half out. But eventually, they reject the truth and try to seduce others in their attempt to fulfill their self-gratification. In contrast, true believers persevere in their believing loyalty to their Lord. Nothing can move them from their Lord. That's how you know someone is authentic in their faith. They remain. They abide until the end. Are you abiding? That brings us to the end of this third division. What's our principle? Believers remain steadfast in their allegiance to their master, Jesus Christ. Believers remain steadfast in their allegiance to their master, Jesus Christ. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will follow my word, and my Father will love him, and we will, be, we will come to him and make our dwelling with him. The one who does not love me does not follow my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. John 14, 23 and 24. How are you demonstrating in your life your absolute allegiance to Jesus Christ? How are you exhibiting believing loyalty? Well, that's our lesson for today. How can we apply what we have learned in this chapter? I would like to take Peter's warning against false teachers and turn it inward. In other words, I want to close today by focusing on how we avoid taking the path of the false teachers, which will lead to destruction. Fundamentally, I believe the issue with false teachers then and now is this. They reject the Lordship of Jesus Christ in their lives. They reject His authority over them. Once you make that decision to go your own way, it is very easy to fall into heresy and godless living. That's the mistake Adam and Eve made. They went their own way instead of God's way. To be a disciple of Jesus means to surrender to Him. Unfortunately, liberal theologians today derisively refer to this concept as, quote, Lordship salvation. Here's what we find in the Dictionary of Biblical Terms on this term. It says, quote, The chief promoter of the Lordship Salvation position has been John MacArthur, whose book, The Gospel According to Jesus, first brought the controversy to the attention of the Christian public. That book established that according to the gospel Jesus thought to be his disciple was to acknowledge him as Lord. None can deny that. End quote. You would think that such a statement should not be controversial, but it is. The idea of the Lordship of Jesus being an optional thing leaves the door open to all kinds of danger. The simple reality is this. 
Jesus is Lord. That's truth. That's reality. A former pastor of mine put it this way, quote, Lord is who he is. Savior is what he does, end quote. So I have three questions for us to ponder and examine ourselves. We need to make sure we stay on the right path and to live with the reality that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. First question, will you acknowledge him as Lord? He has all authority, as we see in Matthew 28, John 13, Philippians 2. This is not up for debate or acceptance. It is gospel truth. Jesus is Lord. Second question, will you obey him? Lordship and authority imply obedience. If there is no obedience, there is no evidence of lordship. Our love for Jesus and recognition of him as Lord is demonstrated in obedience to his word. And that obedience keeps us on the path of holy living. Third question, will you remain in him? The false teachers fell away. They did not remain. Without an acknowledgement of Jesus' lordship and without obedience to his words, they had only one way to go, destruction. Jesus invites us to remain, to abide in him, to remain steadfast and follow him and no other. So which way will you go? This concludes our teaching from 2 Peter chapter 2. Thank you for being here today. Next time, we will begin our study of 2 Peter chapter 3. Until then, this is Jose Figueroa for an approved word, where we are rightly dividing the word of truth. May God richly bless you.